Sitting in the morning sun I'll be sitting when the evening comes Watching the ships roll in And then I'll watch them roll away again Yeah, I'm sitting on the dock of the bay Watching the tide roll away Welcome back, Husky fans, to the Husky Fan Podcast. Jimmy Cornell, my brother, what do you want to get into tonight? Well, we could we could rant first. I know people like it when we uh, just chat a bit. I'm kidding. They want us to jump right into Husky football. But I do have a couple things that I will address. Um, you know, as I, as I age and mature... You know, I'm attempting to not let things bother me as much. Just certain little things that you just really shouldn't give any attention to or, or waste your thoughts on. But the couple areas I'm just I'm struggling with, and for you listeners, you can fast forward a minute or two if you don't want to hear it. But I still can't fathom why people choose to like trick out 20 year old Subaru or Honda Civic cars and put these ridiculous mufflers on them that are so loud and so annoying and like the car's half painted and like a lot of times there's a dent or there's like a corner piece that's a different color than the rest of the car it looks like they've been working on it for like 15 years but they got that muffler that you can hear a mile down the road that i just can't even fathom and my second one chest is the no look line cut at the grocery store like you got an item or two, and someone just, they just no look cut right in you with their cart. I actually happened to me last week, and then I saw this girl do it to this lady today. It was, it was a phenomenal move. It just snuck right in front of her. She only had like two items, and you could tell the girl was not too pleased about the no look line cut. There, was, there wasn't a chat and cut. It was no, just, no just, chat just, cut. Just a straight and cut. Straight cut, no look, you know. And I, I don't know that I ever told you my Costco story about the guy that just got right. <laughs> There's no one in the... Actually, I got to a Costco very early. And I was looking for a Merlot that tastes like a cab. And this guy just stops my cart with his hand to grab his bottle of wine that he wanted. There was, there was literally no one else around. He puts his hand on my cart to stop it so he can cut in front of me, take my wine, doesn't even look at me, and shovels, shuffles off. That that was one of the more impressive moves I've ever seen in my in my years of, of shopping. That one takes the cake. The cart stop, grab my wine, bolt out of there. So he, he took the wine you were going for? Uh, no, he wasn't. T- he just he just cut right in front of me. Oh. But to do so, he put his hand on the cart from from for me to stop moving, so I didn't get in front of the wine he wanted. He literally walked in front of me, stopped my cart, grabbed his bottle of wine, and walked off. Oh, Jimmy, you know that our, our time is extremely valuable. I mean, these people have to get these get shopping done as quickly as possible so they can get back on social media. That's and true. Waste their time. He probably had a, had an important tweet to get to, and he and he you know he couldn't spare two seconds for me to pass the bottle of wine 
that he that he was after. Anyway, so those ones I'm still those ones areas I'm working on. I, those are areas of weakness for me, chest. I, I am gonna attempt to be better, but the muffler thing, man, it's gotta go. Yeah, and the car's yeah. twenty years old. What do you want a twenty year old car for? Those loud noises are really irritating. Those I mean, I have nothing mufflers. against having a 20-year-old car, but the fact that you want to, like, trick it out and put these mufflers on it, that doesn't make any sense to me. Anyway. Well, you know, we all got to get our self-esteem somehow, some way. Well, I guess, and two, my buddy sent me a review of our podcast. This guy from about a year ago said that our podcast was essentially uh, laden with... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Read, read, yeah, I'm sorry to cut you off. Read the iTunes reviews. A couple of them are pretty funny. And and that it, it's boring and poorly paced. Worst podcast ever. So uh, I, I appreciate I, I appreciate the feedback and, and we'll attempt to, to, to make sure the pacing is correct. However, the pod continues to grow. And so I will share to the masses... You can't give any more money to the UW or any other Pac-12 school until Larry Scott is fired. That is the only way we're going to rid rid the Pac-12 of that disease of Larry Scott. There, there's no other way it's going to happen. But I'm, no I'm more concerned about fixing Washington first. We might have some disagreement here because I'm just so fixated and concerned with us fixing ourselves first. I don't. I mean, it, it's. Well, look, what do you mean? What do you what, what do you want to fix? Well, you know, hopefully we can. You know, the uniforms will come out. We'll get to that. You know, hopefully they make some fixes on that, and just, um, you know, just doing a better job and being more competent. You know, you mean the, the, a, ga- the, the ga- program. The, yeah, the game day experience. It's horrible. I mean, th- this is a big year. They're lucky that we. Ha- well, I guess every year is a big year, but they're lucky that. We have a good schedule, but look, when we're bringing in five-star recruits, the environment and game day experience has got to be top-notch for that. True. And I'm just, okay. that, that, that okay. to me, I, I just, I, I don't, Larry Scott doesn't bother me that much, honestly. But dude, like you, you have to position the Pac-12 conference uh, in, in such a manner that it's going to be, you know, talked about every year as a as a contender for it, the playoffs. It's, like, it's, it's true that he's fucked up on the the TV deals. Uh, you know, he, he's completely fucked up on that. But look, here's the big issue: if you look at the last five years, there's only one school that's recruited basically in the top. If you're looking at the last four or five years, and you're looking at recruiting rankings, and I'm talking about like by quality, not by the points thing. And if you would look at it, it, USC is in the top five. And then I think Washington is probably second at like number 17 or 18. And then Stanford and UCLA and Oregon are like a little bit behind us. So, I mean, that explains the problem in the conferences. You, know, you have one blue, you have, you have one blue one blood blue school blood. that's recruiting in the top five and the top ten. And they're just a shit show right now. So, I mean, I don't... You know that that these problems on the field—that's not a Larry Scott issue. I mean, the 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 foot the football on the field 
you know, that has to improve, uh, you know, before the well, conference it, gets more respect. As a, as a high level recruit, though, you're going to look at you're going to look at the conference. You're going to look at your opponents. You're going to look at exposure. Those things matter. And and granted, UW's recruiting very well, which we'll get into because people were were freaking out, freaking out about how uh you know how poor recruiting was going, and now magically things are all better in a ma- in in just a matter of a couple weeks. The skies have parted. There's blue skies. There's sun breaks. People are happy. People are dancing in the streets over it. Like I told you, buddy, it's the roller coaster. Everyone's back on track. The productivity is high. The libido is back. The focus is there. The excitement. Everything's lining up for the recruiting diehards right now. Like Everything has gotten better. That's exactly what we need. We don't want anybody to have a low libido. <laughs> you know? I mean, look. The, the fact of the matter, though, is there's a lot of components that go into recruiting. And everything matters. Stealing it from Coker and DDY, your boy DDY. Everything matters. Conference exposure matters. Conference competency matters. All of these things matter for the University of Washington to get the ever-elusive national championship, the purest, no no argument, national championship where they have played their way to a title. But I, I don't, I mean, to, you know, talk about the conference, I don't think that's costing us recruits. I mean, if we're losing recruits because of that, then it's, we lost a recruit because we're not a national program. I mean, the, I a, get that. the, a, the ACC is not an especially strong conference, and Clemson is dominating. And that's not to say that we're going to dominate like them in the next couple of years. But if we can get on that level, I mean, had we have beaten Auburn last year or upset Ohio State in the Rose Bowl, um, you know, that would have gone a long way to getting more legit interest from some of these national recruits. No, no, that's fair. I, and look, I'm, yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying that we're losing recruits based on the conference, but you know that recruits are looking at that. They're they're definitely going to want to look at exposure. You're, you're if you're a really good player, you you want people to see you play weekly, right? When you're going to be a nationally televised game, uh, you're playing against the best competition. You know that is in their mindset or their thought process. That's part of it. Not all of it, but that's part of the process. Right. And I mean, there are a few, a few more. I mean, recently we've seen a few more West coast recruits leaving the region. Uh, but I'm just, I'm not, that's not in my top list of worries right now for Washington, you know, that in the conference situation, like, Let's get let's be a top seven, top five program first, and then sure see where so, those things are at. Yeah. So if you you know listing concerns for Washington, obviously is the offense is Hamden going to get this offense roaring? Is Eason going to be the guy that we all expect him to be? I know that a lot of people don't think that pressure matters because he played in the SEC as a freshman at Georgia which does matter, but he's been out of the game for a few years. And we saw that anonymous report on him uh, for spring ball. You know, the, the report wasn't 
Well, wasn't frankly glowing. Um, and let's be honest too, he, he doesn't necessarily have a top tier guy behind him pushing him uh, for that starting role. I mean, do, do we all assume, we all expect him to be the starter? Do we really see Hayner leapfrogging him uh, to start the season? No, I mean, the hope is obviously <laughs> that uh, Sermon can become the backup. Which, you know, I don't know how confident people are in that respect with the fact that, you know, he was teetering on, on leaving. Right. And I think we all understood, you know, the wiser decision was made to come back to Washington. Uh, you know, the fact that he's been in the system, you've seen it, he was going to have to learn a new system and, and, and compete again. Um, so we'll see. I mean, this, like we said, the offseason natty matters. I mean, the summer work will be important for all these guys offensively. Um, since obviously they're, repl- you know, there's going to be some guys to replace experience and then making sure that, you know, Hunter Bryant and Fuller and Ahmed and the like are, are getting the ball early and often. Spiker, Osborne, Lowe. And that they build a rapport with Eason. Yeah, that that I mean that's that's crucial. It's going to be crucial for the passing game, and 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 hopefully, you know, Hamden and Peterson get their wits about them, and understand that this offense doesn't need to be tremendously complicated. Yeah, if they can't figure it out this year, it's completely on them. I was more on the side of talent issues the last two years, but. This is this is a point where if this offense is sucking wind and struggling to score, you know, thirty points a game against mediocre, average teams in the conference, there's a serious coaching and coordinating problem. I, you know, I think that's a fair point because they've been upgrading the talent. I mean, are are you discouraged by the talent that the offense is going to to have? Uh, this fall, I mean, offensive lines gonna have experience. You got a, plenty of players at the running back position that have gotten a lot of snaps. Uh, clearly, at wide receiver and tight end, those guys have gotten a lot of snaps. I mean, Eason obviously hasn't had the snaps, but he's a he's a talented uh, football player, talented quarterback. So, in the point that you're making, yeah, if they can't piece it together and have a very competent offense. I think you're right. There, there is a there is a serious issue uh, within the coaching ranks on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, Phil Steele, or it's I think it's Athlon, either Athlon or Phil Steele, or it might be both of them, have our line as a top ten line nationally. And you look at at wide receiver. We talked about last week. I mean, if Ty Jones can take a leap, like if he can take the leap that Dante Pettis made uh, from his uh, sophomore to junior year. I mean, that would just be so huge for the offense. I mean, you have a lot of depth there. We're, we're stacked at tight end. Running back, as you said. And and don't count out Cam Davis, you know, at, at running back as a true freshman. Like, he's he's going to get in the mix there. His his footage is, is lights out. I mean, he looks really good. 
And look, I love Dick Newton's uh, play in spring ball too. I mean, they got competent players at the running back position. They they they're going to have options. And I, yeah, and and sorry to cut you off. And I don't want to downplay Miles Gaskin's accomplishments, but running back is one of the easiest positions to replace. And the offense now is should have that passing threat that it really hasn't had. You know, since right. John Ross was here. And so that's going to make the run game, uh, you know, it's a shame that, uh, you know, Gaskin had to do it all himself the last couple of years. But assuming the passing game gets on point, I mean, that should really open things up. And, I mean, a lot, a lot of those backs, they're going to be competing, and hopefully one of those guys really, really takes a big leap. I mean, McGrew, McGrew actually did good things in the passing game. You know, he, he don't, did. don't forget, like that... You know, Oregon game, McGrew was the one who, I mean, he basically let us down the field. Yeah, For the the would-be, that was the would-be game-winning drive. I mean, I hate how people do that. It's like, you know, Oregon, well, we beat you last year. We're going to beat you this year. It's like the game went into overtime, and before overtime, we missed a field goal. And if you look at the advanced stats, we basically outplayed you by a little bit. So... You know, well, what, I think what was the the discouraging part of that drive itself is that Washington was chunking yeah. down the field, and then you know with forty five seconds left, we just sat on the ball. <laughs> yeah, we just decided to you know that, <laughs> tuck our you know tuck our tuck our junk in our ball sack you know to make a mangina and just you know go and rely on a kicker. I, I mean, for for I mean, honestly. If you can think, I mean, you can think back to a lot of, you know, drives or, or, or situations where you just scratch your head. But, like, if you really go back and, and like, you watch that portion, that segment of the game, of, of, of even the last 10 years, that, that was one of the stranger coaching decisions at the end of the game that I've, frankly, I've, like, witnessed in a long time. I mean, you're literally dominating their defense all the way down the field, and then you sit on the ball to give your rookie kicker an opportunity to, to finish it. And that look that that's a that's even for like a good kicker, that's a tough kick. A, a thirty that's on not the road. Like, that's not a gimme. I mean, I think every fan would want that inside thirty yards, like a thir- a thirty-seven yard kick on the road in college. That's not a gimme. There's great kickers who, who miss those kicks all the time. And the fact that you're on the road and it's loud and it's a rival, you know the stakes at hand. You're, you're telling me the way they were going, they, they didn't have another three or four yards, five-yard play in the book. To I mean, not, not to harp on that series too much because right, it's, yeah. you know, it's we over. Don't need to, yeah, we don't need to replay it. But, but the but, point was we were missing a lot of our best guys on offense, and Sean McGrew – led that drive down the field to put us in position to win the game. And on top of that, one thing that was really impressive about his uh, that series for McGrew was that he didn't seem phased at all. And I think that goes back to, you know, in a way, recruiting guys out of good programs that have been in, like, big-time games. And, and we know when we had his coach on, I mean, he made those points about about McGrew in regards to the player that he was in high school. You know, that moment wasn't too big for him. He, he seemed more than comfortable, uh, you know, coming in 
and, and essentially being asked to make some big plays, and he did. Yeah, I mean, he had a huge catch against uh, out of the backfield against Cal, which we yeah. should have scored on that drive. I mean, it's a shame. But, yeah, I mean, he, he was useful in the passing game last year, and I, you know, I, I think you have all these running backs are going to be pushing each other. And, you know, it's probably going to be a by-committee approach this year, but I wouldn't be surprised if a couple of those guys, you know, look really solid. Well, I, I mean, looping back to your original point, I mean, I, I guess the, the more and more we talk about the offense, <laughs> I think the expectations should be should be much higher for what they're capable of. I mean, there's a lot of good players. And frankly, every position group. You know, granted, you know, that Washington's not deep at the quarterback position depth-wise. <laughs> Where... You know what? You have five quarterbacks on the roster. <laughs> not not really the case any longer. Um, you know, it's basically biding time until Sam Heard comes. But the fact is, there, there's just there's little to no excuse for this offense to not be top tier in the Pac-12 uh, this this year. There, there, there's nothing to tell you that it should. I mean, look at Jackson Kirkland. You got Hilbers is going to be there. Adams, Nick Harris, with all his experience, obviously, left guard is is still to be desired in some in some case. But you have an offensive line that should be road grading holes for these backs, and with the threat of the passing game, it it it, it should align to be explosive. Yeah, I mean, and we look, we have a real. There's a real coaching problem. I mean, we've already said it before, but if they don't, this offense should be averaging 40 points a game. In, in conference play, it should be averaging over at least 35 points per game. I mean, Jimmy, look at Jonathan Smith last year. He had no talent, and yeah, Oregon State was horrible. Yeah. Their defense could, you know, their defense couldn't stop air, but <laughs> their offense was actually reasonably good considering the talent that they had. You know, they they were at their offense was actually their offense scored thirty points against Ohio State. I know Ohio State's defense was terrible, but they scored more points against Ohio State than we did. And Ohio State's defense then had uh, Nick Bosa, and they you know Oregon State was at Ohio State. Yeah, I, I mean you would take Ohio State's backup before any starting group of of Oregon State. So you don't give me the argument. Well, it was Ohio State's backups. I don't care. <laughs> so. It, that basically shows that Jonathan Smith was not the problem. So Peterson has a huge problem if this offense is just sucking wind again. And just being a stupid, softcock, slapdick offense where it just can't blow out people with inferior talent. And, and frankly, besides Utah and Cal, what defense in the Pac-12 really concerns you? Like the I outside of those two defenses, like I'm not like there. There's no one I don't think poses a tremendous defensive threat to this offense. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, there, there, like you said, there is just there is no rhyme or reason for this offense not to be good this fall. Yeah, no, totally. How about a seven thirty kick for Cal? And, and by the yeah, by the way, Utah and Cal, you're playing those games at home, 
where yes. you know your offense, your offense against their defense, it, it would have a more difficult time playing on the road. So you get to play those defenses at home. Look, yeah, the, I mean the schedule uh, is favorable. Uh, you know, I, I I saw someone tweet like if if Washington or someone wrote if Washington can somehow find a way to ten and two this year. Probably, I mean, it's probably Fetters who said that. I'm guessing. I mean, if you're not ten and two, if you're if you're worse than ten and two, I mean, you're disappointed. Look, I mean, this team was what <laughs> ten and three last year. I mean, it, it, including the uh, championship game against Utah, ten and three. The three losses were uh, by what? You know, we lost to Cal by two points. We lost to Oregon in overtime, and then Auburn. You know, we had, I'm not going to say we had that game won, but, you know, it's a game we probably should have won. Well, how many possessions did they have inside the 20? Was it six? Six. 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 (laughs) Remember, with like six minutes to go, they converted a third and, uh, I think it was like a third and ten, like BBK. uh, Oh, yeah. Remember, he, 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 he lost, he let, he let their back get out and well, so they convert a third and ten but from that from that point b- back to halftime I don't did, did well, Auburn, they, they, option fumble I mean there's just but I'm just saying like we were dominate dominating them de- like defensively like they their offense was really struggling in the second half and you know here we are rolling out the option at the goal line with a guy that has no interest in running the option <laughs> uh, anyway yeah, I mean, if you had to pick one loss, which loss was the most painful? Like barring Ohio State, don't you know negate Ohio State from that? But uh, the, season, the season's over. I mean, that didn't. No, just me just that tell much. me. Just tell me which loss bothered you the most. If you had to uh, pick, make it make a pick. That's hard to say. say. <coughs> Excuse me. My aunt, there's one that doesn't. I mean, the Cal loss bothered me the least because I I knew that we could lose that game and still it, it all it all came down to beating Stanford and Wazoo. So, and we didn't have Gaskin. Um, yeah, but it was such an atrocious loss. Yeah, but it probably I don't know. I mean, I I guess they're all kind of equal. <laughs> they're all painful. They all suck. It's, it's you know it's not necessarily like that you lost it's the way you lose right yeah and it's so, like yeah yeah go ahead no, I'll just say you know the the way that you lose the game generally is much more painful than the loss because you know it comes down to just a couple of plays essentially you know I think Lam- give Lambo credit I think he said you know every game comes down to like four or five plays. I think Tyrone right. said that too. Did Tyrone say that too? Oof. Well, but I mean, there, there's some merit to that. The fact that you know, there, a game comes down to four or five big, big plays that you know really change you the momentum, field position, um, you, you know, in regards to how it impacts the game as a whole. But those three losses, when you look at Bill Connolly's stats, we we were over fifty percent. Based on based on the statistics, our our win probability, uh, we were over fifty percent for all those games. The one game that we won that we weren't was Stanford, 
But you know, we were we held on. You know, we got out way ahead. Yeah. So you Jeez. can't you can't really say that like they outplayed us. I mean, <laughs> we got out and we're way ahead. But yeah, I mean, that's the, those three games. It's frustrating because based on Bill Connolly's stats, like we, you know, he he uh, what is it? Post game win expectancy based on the stats, and it it wasn't like fifty one percent. Like I think the Auburn one was fifty five. The Cal one was like sixty three. The Oregon was like fifty seven. So it was, it was a little more than 50-50 in all those instances. So that's what's frustrating. It's We're not just looking at it through purple-colored glasses. Like, they're really and, – and, you know, looking looking to this year, Jimmy, I mean, this this team should be better. I mean, I think the conference is going to be better. I think a lot of teams on uh, in the conference can, can be better. But our team should still be better, and the coaches have to get us playing to our potential quickly because a lot of the tough games are – at you know, to the start and middle of the season, it, yeah. it's going to be disappointing if we lose two or three games and then we suddenly kick ass like the last half of the season. We look like a top seven team, but you know, uh oh, you know we didn't win the North because we lost a couple games early. I mean, that's what would be frustrating. So, given where the games are, I mean, this team has to find itself sooner rather than later. Well, and, you know, there's not a lot of margin of error with Cal early at home, but obviously you're going to have some motivation there from the year prior. I mean, it does matter. I mean, it's silly, but it does it does play a factor. I mean, obviously they're going to be at home. There's going to be some wanting some revenge for that atrocious game. Um, so I think those are obviously... Momentum, momentum builders. I think having a late game earlier in the year isn't as bad too because the weather is going to be good. It's going to be early into the season, so people will be hyped. I think people will be, you know, obviously excited for football to start. So I think that'll help um, from a crowd perspective. Uh, <coughs> Wait, so do you think the late game it's good or not? I mean, I don't, I don't like the late game. I, I don't, I don't prefer it. But like, remember the Stanford. You know, game obviously was a night game televised ESPN. I mean, the Cal game doesn't have the same appeal as that, obviously. But I think just being early in the year, the weather should still be good. People but, are going to be able to hang out and party and, and yeah. you know. Pack 12 after dark. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> well, the 745 game, like, should be illegal. And that should never happen. But, you know... <laughs> That from that perspective, it doesn't bother me as much um, that the games later. The, okay, these games against we have USC, Oregon, and Utah at home. None of those games should be seven forty-five. No, no, that's true. No, Th- those games will be all well should all be prime time uh, slots. You would assume. Yeah. But yeah, that cat, I mean that's that's dangerous. A dangerous early game. But I we'll we'll be ready. The coaches will be ready for that. Will Easton be ready? Yeah, will he'll Eason be ready. Be ready. He'll be ready. You know that defense is gonna wanna they're they they're gonna know it's the five star golden boy, cannon arm kid, coming back home from Georgia. Yeah, no. but I, I, the, the whole thing about Easton being rusty, like, I really don't see it. Maybe the first game, but it's not, it's not like he hasn't thrown a football for, like, a year or two. 
Hey, live bullets, baby, in the words of Tyrone. 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 Live bullets. We need more bullets. Anyway, <laughs> I, I, I agree. I, I, I don't think it, I don't think it's going to have a huge impact on whether he's going to be productive or not. Like the fact that he hasn't played for a few years. He's going to be behind what should be a really good offensive line. And he's got, you know, there's experience at receiver too. It's not like he's, you know, it's not like he's, uh, breaking in guys that have not played a lot of ball. I mean, there's guys that have played a lot of football. So yes. it it should be, you know, it should, like you said, it should be fine if it's not, it's on the coaches. Yeah. What's next? What's next on the topic? All right, well, let's, uh, I, I, I do want to finish uh, recruiting. Uh, some comments on that. Uh, okay, oh, yeah. so since we last potted, yeah. Jalen McMillan committed. Fabulous. Top wide receiver in Cali, Miles Morale committed one of the top linemen, <laughs> offensive yeah. linemen in Cali. And in addition to that, I guess we're we're in Savelle Smalls, his final uh, eight. So yeah. all these people who said it was over. Yeah. You know Everyone who said that ship has sailed, no shot. We're not gonna name names, Scott Eckland. <laughs> you know, it just when I hear him talking about the small situation, it reminds me: is it that movie Euro Trip with the song at the beginning? Scotty doesn't know. Scotty doesn't know. <laughs> so when it comes to Savelle Smalls, like uh, Scotty doesn't know. I mean, look, look. Sometimes the recruiting guys know something, but what what the listeners have to realize, Jimmy, is a lot of times they're being used by coaches. You know, high school coaches, college coaches, they're feeding them info. And, you know, sometimes it's not always 100% honest. And so they don't, you know, these recruiting reporters, they don't necessarily have up-to-date, accurate info on where recruits are going. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of it's conjecture, right? They're just... <laughs> making stuff up or hearsay rumors. I mean, it's made up of a lot of things. Uh, unless you're 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 really close to the situation, uh, you don't know exactly what's going on. Right. It's just the truth of the matter. And and you made a comment at some point months ago, I think, about how when you're recruiting five-star kids, this is how the recruitments for for many of those kids goes. Yeah, it's an up. I mean, it's an up and down, topsy turvy. You know, well, there, can be, there, there could be a little drama involved. And it, when you're when you're a five star recruit, I mean, gen, in general, you're probably catered to at school, catered to at the on the team. Uh, you know, there's perks to being a five-star recruit. You're getting a lot of attention. You're getting invited to things. You're traveling. You're talking to a lot of people that have a lot of interest in you because of your athletic ability. Athletic ability. Beyond that, do you know? Is there a lot of genuine care in that person? Probably not in the majority. <laughs> I mean, so. And the fact is, so yeah, you're you're gonna be. I mean, look at Jalen McMillan. I mean, I think he's a dog. 
through and through. I'm not worried about him making a commit, but you don't think he's going to get run at? Yeah, well, Tom, totally. Tom, yeah, Tom Loy from Notre Dame is saying, you know, Notre Dame is going to get him to visit. I mean, that guy is fucking clueless. <laughs> that guy doesn't know shit. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, you know, and that's the other thing. In recruiting, there are total whack jobs. Absolute 100% nut job people. Uh, in, I mean, frankly, I mean, I get it. Like recruiting is a big deal. It's it's a it's a freaking industry. It's a freaking industry. And you know, shout out to Jim Heckman. He he was on it early. I'll get, you got to give him credit for that. But think about it. I mean, this is a full blown big time industry where a high school kid is going to go to college. People are obsessed with this topic, and. You know that that's what people want to know about in football. They they could care less if that that guy turns out to be a flop. They just want him in the program. You know it, it's 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 a big deal. <laughs> it's a massively big deal. I mean, granted, if you're getting the best of the best players, your program's going to be good. I mean, that's that's full. That's that's clearly proven. You get the best players. You're you're generally going to be the best team, and I mean, look look who all the top teams are every year, year in year out, the last few years. They get the best players, so we know it's a big deal. But you know, I don't know. I just don't have the same passion like I used to for it. But I, I it's fun, right? You land a guy like McMillan, you land these linemen like you got. I mean, that's. That's damn exciting. And you watch the footage on these guys. Like, granted, I don't watch McMillan because I already know what five-star wide receiver talent looks like. <laughs> can, you, can you just quickly tell us what that looks like again? Yeah. I mean, a five-star wide receiver just dominates everyone. They jump over everyone. They catch every ball. They outrun everyone. They juke everybody. They run through traffic. Uh, they, they, they're they literally unstoppable. Yeah, guy, so, guys just fall off of them when they try and tackle them. Yeah, I mean, all, all of those things. You know, they, you, the seven-on-seven seven film, they're they're eating cornerbacks alive. I just, I just, it's literally the same. It's the same footage every time you watch uh, a five-star wide receiver. Now, granted, when you look at a running back, like, you want to see their vision. You want to see their ability to cut back. You want to see their footwork. You want to see their speed. There's a lot more nuance in the running back position and looking at the way he plays the game. Um, so, like, I even if it's a five-star running back, you want to see, you know, just what they're bringing to the table. I mean, you're five-star running back. You're running people over. You're outrunning people. You're juking everyone out of their shoes. Um, but there, there's a little bit, I think, a little bit more nuance uh, to the running back position when, when evaluating, you know, the best footage that's provided on the huddle or YouTube or what have you, right? It's the cutups of their best plays. Um, but I think you can get, you can see a little bit more. Like if you look at a three-star or four, like if you look at Miles Gaskin's footage, I mean, what is he, a three-star running back? When I watched his films, I, holy shit, this guy is really good I, I call i said he was gonna play as a true freshman i mean when you watch that kid's film you're like okay this kid knows the game of football he's very intuitive he has tremendous footwork his vision is unbelievable uh he's a patient runner so like you look at a three-star running back i mean you can 
you could see like yeah. this guy Gaskin was was not a three star. Jimmy, you are an underrated TBSer. Like your film analysis, <laughs> like I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know how to watch film or analyze it, but I mean, you're right up there with Coker. Oh, and, and look, and, and you both you guys are on Gaskin. Both you guys were on Taylor Rapp too. So people who actually know what they're looking at, like you and Coker, can properly analyze these players. Now, with, with that said, how does Cam Davis compare, since we mentioned him earlier? Yeah, well, the thing about Cam Davis is just he's unbelievably fast, and his footwork is lightning. Um, the way his frame, he carries his frame uh, is phenomenal. Um, that, that kid just... That kid understands the position. Um, so, you can so, tell. so he has good vision and instincts. Yeah, he has all. I mean, he's got it all in my book. That that kid's got tremendous ability at the running back position. That's why I think even with even with the stable of backs they have, even with the experience, like I think he's going to have a shot to play this this fall. I think he's that good. Could he have a shot to be the number one guy? I don't, you know, I, I don't know. I'm a big Ahmed fan, so I, I think, I think Ahmed has a lot of football in him yet to be seen. And I think, uh, I think, I think Ahmed's going to get the majority of the carries this year. I think he's going to have a great year. He's going to be very good. So, how many carries is he going to average per game? I think he gets 15. I think it's between 13 and 15 carries a game. So that leaves about, I think, I leave that between like five and nine carries for the rest. But that, you know, some of that's going to be situational. Right. Down, you know, yard marker. You know, they might have, they may bring in McGrew on some more passing situations. Um, but I, I think that's the ballpark you're going to see. I, I think they got to run the ball. I mean, I'm always, I think you can't run the ball less than 25 times a game. Like, you, you can't be under 25. 30 in my book is the best, like, at least 30. So I think, but in reality, I think it's going to be, with Pete's offense, they're going to let Easton throw the ball a fair bit. So I think you're going to see about, I think you'll see on average like 22 to 23 carries out of this offense. But we'll see. Yeah, if you're looking at, um, I'm I'm looking at uh, the number of 20-yard runs last year in uh, conference play um, uh, Ahmed was ninth in the number of 20 yard runs and mm-hmm. look the other the guys are ahead of him like Jamar Jefferson Eno Benjamin Josh Kelly UCLA Miles Gaskin JJ Taylor Bryce Love Zach Moss all those guys basically had like a shitload of carries yeah yeah no that's a thing yeah that's a great I mean Ahmed is so explosive um, and I I think just I just think he's going to get better. I mean, he's. Gonna, I think he'll be the guy early. He's going to get more carries. And assume, assuming the passing game opens things up, I mean, he could have some insane opportunities. And and I, I, I you know, I think people question his toughness somewhat. I, I, I'm not worried about his toughness. I, I in my mind, I think Ahmed's going to. I think he's going to have a phenomenal year. I think he's going to have a great year. Yeah, that's going to be huge. I mean, like him and Ty Jones. If they can take, I think they can, break out. Like, forget it. I mean, this offense is going to be unfucking believable. Yeah, and then on defense, you have guys like I mean, I think Levi. He, he's a really high probability uh, oh. 
Like, he, I mean, he, he could be a first-team all-league guy. Keith Taylor as well. But, I mean, guys like Tryon, Nagata, um, Wellington. Tamani. And, and, you know, the young, yeah, and the young, uh, the young guys in the secondary were super talented. I mean, if all those guys can just, you know, give a lot more than what the average fan might be expecting or anticipating. I mean, that like, that's how this team, you know, gets to that, like, top seven level. We are, like, a legit playoff contender. <laughs> well, I, I think what what the, the fact of the matter is, Chess, is that the season is, is coming upon us and we're dooging some. Yeah. But, <laughs> it, but, no, it's got to happen quick, though, because... No, you know, right. We, yeah, we don't, these can't first, be a slow maturation. Yeah. Cannot be a slow maturation. I mean, you have look. Even you know, even playing at BYU. I mean, that's not. I don't know how they're going to be, but they're, those are twenty-five-year-old guys, and they play really dirty. So, Is elevation a factor in uh, in uh, Prova? I don't know. I just who knows. What's the I mean, heat? It's, a, we, it's a game we could win by twenty or lose. So I I remember the last time we were there. I was there. We lost the twenty ten game. That was uh, Jermaine Curse dropped a ball at the end. Not not putting it on Jermaine in any stretch. You know we we had a lot of a lot of unfortunate mishaps in that game. But well, it's yeah, not a, not a surprise given who was coaching. Yeah, it's right. True. Fair. Fair enough. Touche. But huh. anyway, I I just want to have you know back to the Savelle Small situation. I just these people on Dogman who are. And on Twitter, who are saying, you know, he made a mistake, or he's he's only attracted to the shiny things of Oregon, and just, you know, oh well, he's not an OKG. Just shut the fuck up. I'm so tired of hearing that. Like he didn't make a mistake, okay? He was very. He didn't do anything. Yeah, he didn't do anything wrong. You know, and and remember when we talked about this when Andrew was on, he said the coaches should take his concerns seriously because look, put yourself in his shoes. I mean, Peterson, he, you know, there's certain inner city kids that maybe he hasn't offered that he should have offered. How is that going to look if you're an inner city black kid? And so I I think his, I I think we agreed his, his concerns were viable. They were not unfounded. And I, I think that the coaches probably did what Andrew suggested. I'm sure they probably looked and considered what he was saying and look that's why they're using built for life more they're not using the okg thing now so for for people for you know people middle-aged people probably have no athletic ability to sit behind a keyboard and just bitch because a 17 year old might say one or two not nice things about your your school and your team just shut the fuck up i mean he didn't do anything wrong yeah, I don't. I don't like the bashing. It's it's uncalled for. It's unneeded, especially when they're still still in play uh, for his services at the next level. But I, I do got to ask. I mean, maybe maybe it was Pete's camo pants that pushed Savelle over the edge. Maybe maybe. What you mean? You, you got to look at those you mean camo pushed? khakis and thought, well, that's my man. Yeah. <laughs> so Pete's pants are why we got back into the top eight. Yeah, it's Pete's. It's Pete's pants. Uh, anyway, but yeah, I, look, no need, no need to get on the kid. Look, he's he's got his his concerns, his opinions, and uh, frankly, it matters when 
you're arguably the best player in the country. And, and, and like I said, I think they're viable. And Jimmy, it's not. It, 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 Look, it's the coach's responsibility to sell the kid and and get the kid. It's not the if the kid doesn't want to go here, it's not you know don't blame the kid. No, that's right. It, it's on the coaches to to provide the foundation of why that individual wants to come play at Washington. And if the pitch isn't good enough, the pitch isn't good enough, and someone else's pitch was better and more compelling. To that kid. That's the bottom line. Yeah, and if that's the case, that's the coach's fault. It's not the kid's fault. No, don't bash the kid. Bash the coach. And, you know, that's somewhat of the hero worship with the Duke fan base, right? The hero worship of Peterson. uh, The hero worship of Cohen. I, I mean, it's okay to criticize these people and still be fans and still like them and still root for them and still, you know, be positive about them as people and coaches and administrators, but that doesn't preclude them from criticism. You know, it's okay to criticize people that are making millions of dollars around a game. They can take it. And frankly, they don't care about your opinion or our opinion. You know, the only people that care about it is a small group of diehard fans that that have a real strong <laughs> desire in, in opinion of, of all of these things. But look, with with social media, there, there there's no room for publicly tweeting players or kids around their decisions or their comments. It's just it's absurd to me. Yeah, I mean, you could tweet them positive comments and, you know, cool husky gifts, but... Sure. Yeah, that's fine, but, like, to get on them or make, like, asinine comments or question that, I mean, just just, just leave it alone. I mean, there's enough bullshit going around. Like, do you need more? Does there need to be more of it? Just, just, let, it, just let it be. But on that note, Jimmy, we have some questions to get to, but don't worry, not too many questions. Okay, well, let's. What are let's they? Rip. Let's uh, rip. Thoughts on Scott Huff Jr. Adams recruiting? UW leveling up on the offensive line, quarterback, defensive line, and wide receiver going forward. Fantastic. I mean, love it. Look at Jr. Adams. I mean, you got Puka Nakua, now Jalen McMillan, and it's funny because a lot, you know, the TSIO gang, they were not happy about some of these hires to begin with. <laughs> Well, Junior seems to be doing okay. <laughs> yeah, b- better than okay. I mean, he's kicking ass and taking names is what he's doing. And a lot of people, if you, I know we already covered it a few pods ago, but, you know, Cooper Cup, he, he, he was coached under Junior Adams was his coach. And Cooper Cup, before his ACL injury, was... was you could uh, argue that Cooper Cup was developing into the best receiver that the Rams had on the roster before he got hurt. It's not a surprise just considering how good he was in college. Like, that guy was amazing as a college football player. Yeah, it's unfortunate he wasn't at Washington. Yeah, he was really freaking good. And that was under Junior Adams' tutelage. Yeah, it just, it, it would, it's just, uh, you know, a shame that... Uh, a couple of the coaches on our staff that aren't good recruiters. It just seems like they're not pulling anybody in. Yeah. 
I mean, just imagine if, you know, if we, look, imagine if Pete hired a couple new assistant coaches, at least replaced the ones who were underperforming on the recruiting trail, because all of the hires he's made as far as assistants, I mean, damn, they've been, they've been really good recruiters. Exactly what Coker and Dennis have wanted. Yep, that's right. I mean, their mantra is everything matters, which is, of course, true. But their thing is about, you know, it's all about recruiting. Your program's obviously going to be good or not. And it's all it's all based on the kids you bring in. And obviously, coaching matters. you got to have the coaching. can't have just talent. you got to have both. But you gotta get you gotta get you gotta get great talent and you gotta get a lot of the talent because guys leave, guys get hurt, guys don't pan out, right? So the guys are recruiting, they're leveling up. Your favorite word, Washington is leveling up right now. Fuck yeah. Can I get a next question? Next question. Thoughts on the uniforms going public tomorrow. I I'll say this, Chess. I don't think you can argue. They, they are better than the Nike uniforms. There's a few things, though, they do need to fix. The away game uh, block numbers. Ooh, those are horrible. Those are really bad. They need to go to just to a traditional block uh, numeral, which the home jerseys essentially have. But you need to get rid of that pencil-thin <laughs> numbers on the away jerseys. Got to go quickly. They can't do that. Yeah, let's let's see how we look on the field. I, I, yeah. I don't mean, I, of course, of course, I mean how we play, but I want to see, you know, in action how the uniforms look. I think in in general the colors look better. I think the gold and the purple both look better. Um, I, I frankly, you're so used to the Nike swoosh. I think I was like kind of like bracing, like you know, it's not Nike. But I, I honestly, I, I like the Adidas logo on the jersey. It's, it looks pretty good. Those lines? No, no, no. Just, just the logo. Oh, I don't like those lines. On, on the shoulder? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think we're gonna need to get a better look for me to, to make a formal opinion on that. But apparently, it looks like it's black, but I believe it's a deeper purple. And they do have artificial raindrops within the numbers, which you can't see. Uh, on the on the picture, but apparently they have raindrops within the numbers. Oh. So I guess we'll see what that looks like. Jimmy, who is the most underrated husky of all time? Underrated husky of all time? <sighs> My goodness, I, I I'd have to think about this. Most underrated husky of all time. Do you, do you have someone in mind while I think? Yeah, I do. I'd say I'd say Will Disley. Of all, t- yeah, yeah, that's a pretty good pick. Um, I mean, it's hard for me to to think. Um, yeah, it's hard for me to think. Well, let's let's come back to that one. Give it, give me a little extra time to think on it. But I, I like that question. That's a yeah. good question. Isn't it getting kind of late for Jimmy? No, because we're doing this earlier. <laughs> yeah. Thank thank the Lord. Earlier pods. Yeah. Essentially, make for a better podcast. Why does ESPN have Oregon ranked tenth in the preseason poll? I'll handle this one. 
Okay, please. Because when you have a NFL prospect at quarterback who decides to return for their senior year, that vaults you like 20 points in the rankings. Yeah. I mean, these preseason prognosticators absolutely love senior quarterbacks that bypass the NFL. I mean, remember Jake Locker coming back, the seven-star recruit? I mean, people thought that team was going to win like eight games, maybe even nine games. Yeah. Um, you know, last year, Jake Browning, I, I think we were overrated to start the year. I mean, there were a lot oh, yeah. of rankings that had us like in the top seven or eight. And we, both of us, we said, you know, we're, we're, we, we're, we're not going to be a playoff team. Yeah, that's true. We did say that. And I think, and I think the, you know, they're, they're, this is how they mess up the prognostications. They focus too much on senior quarterbacks. Well, and there was, you know, there's just in general hype about Oregon. I mean, go over the SRS. Yeah, I, I tweeted something today. Last year, they were number 39 in SRS. You have to go back. Okay, I, I went back the last 50 years. There were only two teams in that time frame that had a worse SRS the year before and, and won the conference the next year, which Wazoo was number 45 in 1996. They won with Ryan Leaf in 1997. USC, surprisingly, in 1983... Uh, I think they were something in the, let's see, they were number 47, and they won a tiebreaker with us. Of course, that was the year we won the Orange Bowl, Don James' first national championship. So, but I could, Jimmy, I could even, that's two of the last 50 years, but I could keep looking. I was just tired and didn't want to keep looking back. So, I mean, those are only two instances of, a team being outside of the top 40 in SRS and then winning the conference the next year. And those two examples, those two teams were not the best teams in the conference those years as far as the metrics. Well, and I think the fact that, you know, they got that big-time D-line recruit, there there was some buzz around that. And for whatever reason, there's buzz around crystal balls. Uh, I mean, there, there's just some of the hype machine around Oregon. Uh, will they be better? They probably will be better. But are they, you know, are they number 10 in the country? No. Uh, no. No. I mean, but, you know, whatever. It's preseason. I mean, frankly, we rankings shouldn't come out to like the third or fourth week of the season, really. And that's even probably premature because a lot of the teams play really shitty teams early on. It's, you know, it's pretty rare that there's, there's, well, that's not true. I mean, Overarchingly, generally, like, you know, teams are playing puffs early on. Yeah. Um, anyway, so, I, yeah, like, I think you pointed out the the whole quarterback thing with, with Herbert um, obviously plays a huge uh, factor in, in, in that preseason ranking. Okay, is Easton's floor any lower than the performance we saw the last two years from Browning? No. Is the floor any lower? Yeah. I, no, I think my only worry with Eason is injury. He, he's gotten hurt twice, right? Yeah. He has. That's my worry with him. I think just w- watching 
watching his footage, he can make throws. He even as a freshman, he made some difficult throws that there's no way that Browning could make. He's he's any reasonable analyst or person who knows something about football would say he's going to be better than Browning. Just a question of how quick is he going to get up to speed? Is he going to be healthy for the entire year? Is he going to be consistent? Are the coaches going to have an offense that takes advantage of the talent that we have? Those are the things that will be harder to predict, obviously. Yeah, I, I, I mean, the expectation is that there's going to be improvement at, at the quarterback position. And, and we talked it to ad nauseum. I mean, honestly, I mean, Jake took... He took steps back. I mean, from his sophomore year, I mean, he he regressed his his play at quarterback. I think, though, statistically, that's not the case. But you know, he had that stretch where he found himself running backwards a lot of times, where you know that wasn't necessarily part of his game early on. He seemed to adopt that, and I think some of that I think came out that he was trying too hard and being too much. And trying to take on too much responsibility at the quarterback position. Um, did we hear yeah. that about Keith Price, though? He was trying to. Yeah, hard. we did. We did. Well, remember his sophomore year, too. I mean, he was just out there playing football. Granted, he was throwing to Aguilar and Curse. Um, I mean, he threw, what, 35 touchdowns that year? And then, you know, expectations, things change. The scenarios change. You know, he was just out there playing football. I felt like that sophomore year, he was out there just playing ball, loving it, had good players around him. Then, you know, things kind of change after that. Yeah, and Browning was, I think at the beginning of last season, he was decent. I mean, he, he was, sh- okay, he was shitty against North Dakota, and then Utah, he almost blew the game. But he, he was decent against... Uh, he was pretty good against UCLA and Oregon, actually. But if you, Jimmy, if you look at the last Wazoo, if good throws, right? But I mean, if if you look at the last five games of the year, and excluding wow. Oregon State, and if you if you include Hayner in there, then the quarterbacks threw a total of two touchdowns. Five interceptions. One of them was a pick six, so they threw a net one touchdown. And look, that that's a net one touchdown in the last five games, excluding Oregon State. That's as many touchdowns as Aaron Fuller threw and Miles Gaskin threw. And you could throw Byron Murphy in there as well. Oh, boy. So And Browning did not throw a touchdown in the last three games. Well, so, so he, yeah, I mean, he did not finish. His last throw was an interception. The last throw of his career. He did not finish the game. He did not finish that strong. Nah, that's an understatement. Yeah, well, let, let, let's hope for, but yeah, let's we, hope for yeah. marked improvement. Yeah. Um, any predictions on the next commit? The next commit. I, off the top of my head at this moment, I don't have a prediction. 
Do you? Yeah, I'm gonna say Gar- Gary and Hatchet. Okay, I I was actually that's a good one. I'm gonna throw out. I think Sam Adams is gonna be awesome. Could, fuck yeah, could be down the pipe. So yeah, I like both of those guys to be the next commit. Yeah, I think we're gonna I think we're gonna get both. Then 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 all the worry warts will will really be able to breathe easy about yeah. the recruiting class. <laughs> who, 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 who are the worry warts? Who are the worry? Do you want to name names or no? Uh, no, I'm not naming any names. You could name some names if you like. No, I, I don't know who's who's worried. Honestly, oh, you, you just go to a certain website and you read all the posts and look at all the dumpster fire gifts. But that's that's rapidly changing. Obviously. That's the thing, right? You start getting some momentum of these great players, of these good players. Like other kids are gonna, you don't think they're taking notice of these top, top tier athletes choosing Washington? You think that goes unnoticed, Jess? No, I mean it matters. It it, 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 has, it has an impact. Just keep that momentum rolling. And yeah. the fact that Heward and and Smalls are going to be teammates, it's got to. That's got to make a few people smile. With the Kaika Malloy son. Yeah, I mean, you think a few people want to smile about that? You, you want to find something to smile about? Think about that. I mean, this this class, if we get Savelle Smalls, is going to be better than last year's class in terms of quality. Like, that's probably what it's going to come down to. Because I'm, I'm looking, you know, I'm, I'm running the numbers based on who we might get, who we could get. And you're like John Clayton with the database, aren't you? Yeah, you get the database. Yes, I am. And if we get smalls, I mean, we could have a top ten class in quality. And next year, the 2021 class, we already got one five star, and JT Tuima Olau. We're gonna get that guy. I mean, he's a poly five star, maybe the highest rated recruit in the history of the state. I mean, we. The class that we could have next year, I mean, we we could have, like, a top five class. Oh, boy. This, like, okay, here comes back to the recruiting. Yeah, and the, the cycle and, yeah, the low libido, yeah. And, and you look at what's ahead, then, you know, then you start thinking, do I want season tickets? Am I going to travel to every game? Uh, am I planning on the playoff circuit? Am I going to go to the national title game? How am I going to negotiate this in my personal life? Those those start becoming the questions. Is How do I make sure I witness what is potentially history in the making for this program? Well... A, a spouse shouldn't prevent you from doing so. Uh, yeah, tell that to all the guys out there that are married. <laughs> unless unless your wife is a diehard dog, which there are some of those out there that, that understand the passion, understand the commitment, understand the loyalty. They do exist. They do exist. Well, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying you have to like, of course I know everybody has family life and kids and that plays a big role. So I, I understand. 
Well, it's just these are the things that people are going to be asking themselves with these back-to-back recruiting classes. As long as the coaches don't get in the way with their physics offense, we'll be okay. (laughs) Do we got any more questions? Your prediction this year of their record. Sorry if it's already been discussed. I like the guy's name, Bok Choi. Is that your friend? China, China Husky? No, I don't know Bok Choi, but... I like the name. Yeah, I like the name too. Shout out I like to, Bok Choi. Shout out to Bok Choi. I love a shout out to Bok Choi. Uh, I, I think we have covered this. I don't remember um, what I predicted, but unfortunately, I think it's going to be nine and three. You? Oh, you think we're going to lose three? Yeah. Really? I mean, we shouldn't lose more than two. But I think we lose three. Really? Yeah. Who's going to beat us? Like, are there three teams that really should beat us on the schedule? Well, last year, dude. Yeah, but those were, be- I mean, those were, those were really close. Okay, well, what's to say that can't happen this year? Um, well, if our offense is how it should be. Which I know I'm, I'm just hoping. I'm, you know, it's. Trust me, man. I the season's a disappointment if they have three losses. Yes, it is. But I think I think we're going to land at three losses. The regular season, three losses. Yeah. So then, who's your pick to win the North? Can we? Are we still going to win it, or Stanford, Oregon? No, I think I think of of those teams. It would be Stanford. Yeah, nobody's uh, talking about them. Yeah, I, I think the losses would come. I mean, like, I think like the, Are we at Arizona? Yeah, I don't like that game. I don't like that game. Stanford, Utah. I, the Utah. What worries me about Utah is that we've beaten them quite a few times. And it's, it's after, like, the more important games. And, and you know, Utah, Utah, like, yeah, we've, how many, we've beaten them, what, four, four straight? Four or five straight? Four. Four? And it's after, like, I'm not saying Utah's a less important game, but if we just stop, if we just think about winning the conference, the Stanford and Oregon games are paramount. Yes. And so it's. And, and like I think, even if even if we're doing really well and we're undefeated or only have one loss, we could lose that game just because it's like a natural letdown. Yeah. So I mean, those are the games that concern me the most. I mean, we barely won at Arizona last time, and we 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 scraped a win out of there. Yeah. Like we probably should have lost that game. We haven't done well in Arizona. We're, we're due for a blowout in Arizona, honestly. Hey, I'll take it. If our offense just gets its shit together, we, we should score 40 that game. Look, I'm just saying, like, I... No, I, I totally... No, I, it's totally reasonable. It's not unreasonable. What What's your prediction? I don't know. I mean, it's just... It's really hard to say. It's, I could see, yeah, I could see us having one loss, two loss, or three losses. Yeah, I think they're all, 
if if it was beyond three, like you're talking about a momentous momentous disaster, which I don't I don't I don't see that happening. But look, every game's hard to win, and you are breaking in a new quarterback. I don't you know he's got a lot of talent. We know it. He can play. Yeah. But there there's there's some pieces that you know there's unknowns. There's the the team and just continuity. You know how long. That, like that 1990 team, for example, yeah, they were really awesome. But the first couple games, they played like shit before they destroyed USC. Yeah. So, true. no, I, I mean, I, I think we're going to beat USC because USC has to play Utah and Stanford before us. So, I, you know, the crowd is, is going to... They'll be in for yeah, that. Yeah, it'll be full for that game. We, you know, we should take care of Cal, and then so we have at at Stanford at Arizona. It would be. I, I don't see us losing both those games. So reasonably, let's say, we lose one of those games, then we have Oregon. I think. I, yeah. I, I think we'll beat Oregon at home. And Did we get a bye before? Oh, I think be one of those. Yeah, one of those games is BYU. No, we have a bye. No, we have BYU's a bye. early. Yeah, we have a bye before Utah. Yeah, we do, which is helpful. So I would, yeah, I would say we lose. You know, and maybe you know we beat Oregon. You know, maybe we lose to Utah, and like those are the two losses that we have. Yeah. So I, we're not losing to the Cougs. Yeah. We're not losing to the Beavs. So yeah, there, is that is that the last question? Yeah, that is. But hopefully, we win every game. <laughs> yeah, I, I, mean, I don't want to predict any loss. Uh, I, I was going to most underrated player. I love Will Disley. I don't have it yet. I do want to come up with. There, there's been a lot of great underrated yeah. football players at Washington. Look, like, if you're if you're going by the NFL draft and, and how the NFL. As a way to rate players, which is which is totally reasonable. Uh, Drew Sample, he was a second round pick. Yeah. So clearly, our coaches have a problem with utilizing tight ends. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And Disley was playing very well for the Hawks before yeah. his unfortunate injury. Uh, I feel like there's some underrated linebackers in the Husky history. I mean, Corey Littleton. I mean, if you're judging by his NFL yeah, success. Littleton. Feeney. Yeah. There are a lot of guys who played during the, the down years. I mean, Grayson Gunheim. Like, he, he was... Yeah. I don't know what happened to him, but... There there was a play. It was a 2006 UCLA game. And he, like... He chased down a guy who almost had, like, an 80-yard punt return. Like, he literally ran, like, from one side of the field, like, diagonally to get this I guy. I remember that. I remember that. And so he... I mean, a guy like that... Like, he, he – I there's probably a handful of guys like that who played during the down years. And you just – because the team was bad, you just don't realize, like, how good they really were. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, Mike Iloico is a pretty good player. He was probably underrated. That's going way back. Yeah, didn't he destroy Jamie German? He did. He knocked him out cold. The 94 – I mean, Miami. Might have been one of the nastiest – Hits in Husky history. There was all. 
the, one of the other biggest hits of all time, though, is Jaime Fields against Michigan. I can't remember who he hit, but he absolutely. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was late in the game. Oh yeah. Probably that and Jamie German, the Ilovico hit on Jamie German. Those are probably two of the biggest hits I've ever seen. Yeah. The the Jaime Fields hit was just. Vicious. It was so vicious. Oh my god, that guy Jaime Fields. For anyone who can harken back to his days, that guy was such a badass. Really unfortunate that he that he passed away early. And that right. guy, yeah. That dude, I loved watching Jaime Fields play football. Great, great player. Casey Paws, maybe one of the most underrated. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. But, hey, give him credit, man. That 34-20 victory against Oregon night game, that was a lot of fun, man. No, dude, it was 41-10. to 10. Was it 41-10? to 10? That's it was, right. It was, 40, was it 42-10? to 10? Yeah, 42-10. to 10. Sorry. What did I say? What did I say? 31-10? It said 34-20. Did I? Oh, shit. No, yeah, sorry. Still have to remember, that, that was a lot of fun. That game was so much fun. That was a great game. Yeah. That was his career highlight what about uh carl bonnell under most <laughs> I'm, I'm just uh, all right i'm getting a little loopy i'm sorry i was joking about carl bonnell man it's, a, it's all good take it personal don't take it personal i'm not taking it personal like jerome jerome payton was so good but i feel like he was underrated in realizing like how good he was I was thinking about his name earlier. Didn't he win the Blitnikoff Award or some receiver award? He may have. I, th- I think he did. If you want to talk about an underrated tandem in Husky history, it would be Freddie Coleman and Jerome Payton. Oh, yeah. Freddie Coleman was underrated. Yeah, very underrated tandem. I loved Freddie Coleman, man. That guy was a badass. God, he was good. Texas kid. Yeah, maybe Ernie Conwell, because he played the NFL for a while. Long time. What about Jeremy Brigham? I mean, he played for the Raiders. He was like the four-string tight end. Yeah. I mean, he, he played in the NFL for a number of years, if I'm not mistaken. That, that's, what, that's what we have going right now. Yeah. What about uh, what about uh, Kevin Ware? I mean, he played for the Redskins for, I think, a handful of years. Another Texas guy. Yeah, another Texas guy. What about uh, he played? Uh, what about the tight end who played for the Colts last year? Darrell Daniels. Darrell Daniels. Uh, I wouldn't say he was underrated. No, I, I'm not saying. I, I'm kind of getting off to the tight end tangent. Oh yeah, think yeah. Of all the tight ends. No, and uh, what's his what's his name? The, the guy before him who was a good receiver, Josh Perkins. He, yeah, he, Perkins. He, he played for the. Did he play for the Falcons or the Rams? I think he had a couple of touchdowns a couple of years ago. I think it was the Falcons, but could be wrong. Like if you look at our 2015 roster, we had him, Darrell Daniels, Drew Sample, and Will Disley. Wow! So we had four guys that all played <laughs> oh, in the man. NFL. Jeez! And and look, and they got Hunter Bryant and and uh, who's the other guy we love? Why Devin am I blanking? Devin Culp. Colt, but there's another guy. Who's the, the the blocker who can jump out of the gym? Well, there's Kaiser, but then there's Kaiser. the other. Oh, uh, Kate Otten. Yeah, Kate Otten. I mean, 
Dude, we are brimming at the tight end position. I, I, <laughs> I mean, I just want to see big chunk plays from tight ends this year. Yeah. Well, chunk no, plays. Chunk plays, baby. Like I said, play action, stretch running plays. I'm going to start using that instead of explosive plays. Chunk plays. Chunk plays. Chunk plays. Yeah, that's the new buzzword. All right. Should we wrap this up? Is it over? It's over. I got to get back to my argument with all my long-term buddies about fantasy football drafts. Everyone's freaking out about coordinating the draft day and whether there's going to be a time limit on between picks and if it's going to be on an online draft or all this other nonsense. Whatever you do, just draft all Huskies. That's, that's my plan this year. That's my plan. All right, anything else before we end this? Uh, no. All right, on that note. All right. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Go dogs. Go dogs.